You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to The Strong Room, presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. I'm Wayne Nelson. On today's show, just who is in the family in a family business and who's not? Does family include in-laws? And even if the in-laws are not in, what's the power of pillow talk? And what about the divide between family members who work in the business and those who don't? Add to the mixture non-family employees who just happen to be carrying the firm. What about their expectations and perceptions of family politics and family chemistry? Joining me this morning to talk about the potential threats posed by unresolved and ill-defined family boundaries to family businesses is Macmillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel Henry Villanueva. Henry, a whole bunch of questions there that I'm sure we're not going to have time to answer them all, but let's talk about uh, who is in the family in a family business. Perfect. Uh, Let's take uh, this phrase by phrase. First of all, uh, who is in the family? That has a lot of issues to it, depending on the perspective you want to come from, be it legal, the tax, or the the planning perspective. But essentially, uh, family involves a group of individuals who uh, comprise your family tree. Simple answer. But uh, specifically, uh, let's talk about, legally speaking, what an issue is. And an issue is, I know we have a lot of issues individually, but an issue according to the law of wills and state is what we've called a natural born child of mom and dad, but also will include legally adopted children of mom and dad. Okay, now why is this important, Henry, and why are we talking about this? Well, when we um, discuss wills and succession planning, usually mom and dad will want their child to receive their estate, and should their child predecease or die before them, they want their grandchild to receive, okay? Their grandchild of the child who passed away. However, they have to be mindful as well that uh, because we have quite a couple of blended families now, if their child uh, chose to marry a son or a daughter or a partner who have children of their own, and if they adopted those children, then they would be considered legally your grandchild as well. It gets complicated, so you really have to sketch out that family tree to see who fits where. Exactly. We have to be mindful of the power of adoption because that makes that child your legitimate grandchild or uh, granddaughter or grandson. Makes everything legal. Exactly. So where to from there? Well, we also have to consider now, now we know who a family is, uh, and those are your direct issues or children, legal or adopted. We also have to consider uh, the in-laws. Because these in-laws are also uh, married to your children and hence your um, uh, in-laws who would be able to participate in the growth of your family and the family business. That really lends credence to the saying that you're not just marrying the person, you're marrying the family. You definitely are marrying the family. And from my experience, Wayne, uh, the in-laws have a lot of influence over your children and maybe to some extent more influence than you have on your children directly. Uh, Most often than not, when uh, your children move out, they spend more time with their spouses, of course, rather than with mom and dad. So your children are now a mixture of cultures with their spouse and not just of your family culture. 
and they are having that closer relationship usually with their own spouse. Exactly. And that brings us to the discussion on how does this impact a family business? Now, Sherry has referred to that as pillow talk, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got the, the two spouses spending the time together as opposed to the child spending uh, time with the parent. Exactly. And uh, notable there is, again, you know, pillow talk's very powerful because this is at a time when uh, they're able to uh, express to each other um, uh, their real intentions or what their real thoughts are as far as the family and uh, the business as well. So let's continue that discussion on these family businesses. Family businesses make up various forms. Uh, Some family businesses are involved in buying and selling or manufacturing. Some businesses are involved with consultancy or practices of a profession, such as accounting firms or law firms. And some family businesses are involved in farming, where family members uh, join forces and assist with the maintenance and profitability of the farm. And we'll get into this uh, in further detail. So does it matter what the family business is? It does matter. And again, it's because some family businesses are easier to succeed than others. And an example of that is this. If your business is a manufacturing business, if you uh, manufacture trinkets, for example, uh, the shares in your company can easily be sold uh, to, uh, to the family successors, such as your kids or in-laws, and depending on who's managing it. However... If the family business is a consulting business or a professional business, such as an accounting firm or law firm, there needs to be a greater connection with the family. Dad has to introduce his son, who is also a lawyer, to his prospective clients or to his existing clients so that they'll get to understand that this son is taking over dad's legal practice, for example. It establishes that trust connection. Exactly. Dad wants to make sure that the clients who trusted in him will now trust his son and that they both bear the same surname, for example. And that's important. And that's important versus another form of business, which is, for example, a farm corporation. Now, for farm families, uh, this has uh, gotten a lot more uh, attention recently uh, because planning for farm families has become more and more complex nowadays. I'll give you an example, a case study of a family we have in the office. They have a very big farm. They're very successful. Mom and dad put a lot of sweat and capital equity into making the farm a success. Uh, But here comes the problem now. Mom and dad have uh, come of age and would like to succeed the farm to the kids. They're very lucky kids. The farm is worth a lot of money. However, not all of the kids are farmers. Sure, and that would seem to be very common these days. You know, I've had enough of work in those fields or putting in all those extra hours or having to depend on the weather for successful crops or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some like it, some don't. Exactly, it's not for everyone, right? Some like it and some don't. Now, in this particular uh, case study, the family had four children. Two of the kids chose to stay on the farm One specifically bought more land in an adjacent community and farmed that as well, while the other child farmed mom and dad's land. What happened to two other kids? The two other kids, one went to the city and one went uh, abroad to live abroad. Now, the problem of mom and dad is now this. Their goal is to give their inheritance to their children equally, divided by four. However... 
of note in this particular case study is that the chunk of the value of their wealth is not money. It's land. It is the land. Now, we can't simply just split the land and give one-fourth of the parcels of land to each of the children because it's only one of their kids who's actually doing all the farming. Right. Right? However, they want to also make sure that their two other kids who are not in the farm, one being abroad and one being in the city, will still receive an inheritance from mom and dad in the form of money. But if that is their goal, what do they do? Do they sell the land? Then one of their child children would not be favored in that situation. Right. The one who prefers to farm the land is now going to be shortchanged because the land that he prefers to be farmed is gone. Exactly. Or some of it would be. Mm-hmm. So what did we do in this particular case? Well, we had a discussion with mom and dad. And the first thing that came out of their mouth is, well, we worked really hard to buy all this land and we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into tilling this land and making it a success, Henry. And our goal is to keep it in the family and not to sell it. Perfect. And then I asked them, well, do you have someone to succeed the farm? And they said, yes, one of our children and uh, his wife is, um, is very much involved in the land and they would like to take over the land. And I said, then that's great. We have someone who will take over the land. But then they added, we also want to make sure that the three other kids are taken care of in an equal proportion. So how did you do this? How did you rectify the situation? So the issue there came when we had a discussion with mom and dad on how we could finance the farm or get enough money from the land to be able to pay uh, the three other kids out. Uh, We are all of the understanding and we recognize that uh, the child who will remain in the land does not have the financial means to buy the land off of mom and dad, nor would they have the financial means to buy off the share of their other siblings, which would make them in debt forever. Right. Henry, let's stop right there. We'll continue the story when we come back. It's never too soon to start a life plan. It might be too late to dictate your wishes if you don't have documentation in place. Life plans are all about maximizing wealth, protecting assets, and minimizing tax. They're about making sure your wants and needs are protected and your wishes are honored. You can get a lot of good ideas about life planning by going to MacMillanEstate.com and reading the blog topics that are posted. Then call the office weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464 and make an appointment to sit down with the Macmillan Estate Planning Professional. The Macmillan team will take you through the process step-by-step and craft a plan specifically suited to your wishes and needs. You can also take in one of their free seminars to learn more about the process of building a life plan. The next seminars are May 23rd in Calgary and the 28th in Edmonton. It might be the best 90 minutes you can invest in your own future and the future of those you love. My guest this morning is Macmillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel Henry Villanueva and you're listening to The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.